by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, you know, God puts eternity in our heart, doesn't he? We know that we're going to be somewhere forever. Eternity lives in the heart of man. He put that in us. And we long for greatness. You know, when you was a kid, you wanted to be an astronaut or whatever you wanted to be. You had, you had great plans. But the world is steady trying to beat that out of us. And we don't find a whole lot of greatness because we end up trying to pursue the things of the world. We get lost in our journey. But the whole time our souls are, are, are thirsty for living water, for more, and our hearts are longing for home. What keeps us on the journey? What keeps us steady? Well, what I've seen in the Word of God and what I've experienced in my life is hope. The Bible says hope is an anchor for our soul. You know, when the world wants us to toss us with this wave and toss us this way into this storm and raging seas here and there, the Word of God and my hope in the Word of God is an anchor for my soul. Now, the world, you know, they're like, I hope so. That's the only thing they know about hope. And the powers that be in this world, they're actively seeking to dash our hope. They don't want us to have hope. They want to dumb us down. You know, that's what they're trying to do. They don't want us to, to, want, to want to do great things. They want us all to get in line and be obedient so that they can do great things. They can be great in the eyes of the people. <laughs> it's like that... Chinese virus. It's been so devastating on America and on the whole world, really. You know what I'm talking about, TikTok. <laughs> oh, you thought I meant COVID? That too, that was, that was bad too. But seriously, do you know that the algorithms and the, and the way they set up, it, the Chinese come up with TikTok. And what they sent, the TikTok that they have in China is about patriotism, about being the best you can be. All the videos are, are geared, they send them out to the people, to their people, to encourage them to be great. But do you know what they send America? Have you been on there? Garbage, junk. They're trying to dumb us down. See, the world is seeking to dash our hope. But I'm going to tell you where you can find hope today. Angie's best friend, Tina, she's also a very good friend of mine. Tina's been best friends with Angie since before we were married, so they go back a ways, and we're good friends. And every now and then, she'll call me, and she'll just call me to encourage me. You know, she knows 
the things that go on in a pastor's life. You know pastors need encouragement too? You know, I often give out all my encouragement on Sunday, and by Sunday afternoon, I'm like, somebody encourage me, you know? And uh, she called the other day, and she was encouraging me about some things she knew were going on. And she was telling me about some things going on in her life. And she said, the Lord was showing her about the word disappointment, that she had been disappointed in many areas of her life. And the Lord was showing her that this, and I looked it up in the dictionary, the, the what's it called, the pre, prefix. prefix. Thank you for the teachers in the room. <laughs> this means to deprive or exclude from. In other words, it's taking it away. Your appointment. You are appointed. You have an appointment with greatness. And the devil, what does he do? He brings disappointment. I said, Tina, that's good. That could go along with discouragement as well. You need courage, but the devil's trying to take away and discourage you. There are forces working against you. And what keeps us steady in the storm? Well, you got it right and you got it wrong. No, you got it right twice. What I was looking for was the word hope. But who is our hope? Amen. You're way ahead of me, guys. I guess that's it. We'll just close right there. Now, if I were to quote from Jeremiah 29, 11, most of you would be able to finish it with me. It says, this is the Lord speaking. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Have you ever thought about that God has plans for you? I mean, we all have plans, right? But the wisest among us realize that I need to get with his plan. God's plans better. He says, I know the plans I have for you. And he has plans for each and every one of you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a what? Hope. There's that word again. Because you know what? Your future that God plans will not come to pass unless you have the hope to maintain till you get there. God wants to give you a future, but you've got to keep your hope. Now, many don't realize we take that scripture and we just we use it in our day-to-day -day lives. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for my hope of hope and future and good plan. And we quote that. But we don't realize that this was written to a people who had just been defeated in war. The Israelites had just been overcome by the Babylonians. Their temple was destroyed. Solomon's temple was razed to the ground, burned. And all the articles of God and the things that were in the house of God were carried away into Babylon. And all of them had family members who had died in the war. 
And the few that even survived were taken away, exiled into Babylon. I'm talking about hard times. I'm talking about hard times that we hadn't seen yet. That is the context in which God says, I know the plan I have for you. God said, you're going to be exiled in Babylon for 70 years. I mean, that's not, God, are you trying to discourage us? Take away our hope? But then I thought about it. That's kind of like us. 70 years? Well, I feel exiled down here on planet Earth when I know my home is in heaven, but I'm going to be down here for 70 years. Or more. So what do we do? What does hope do? It carries us through. It brings us to our future. You know the saying? What's it say? The same that, ooh, Angie, that, 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 that stay till the end, that, that endure till the end shall be saved. If you endure till the end, you shall be saved. How do we endure till the end? You lose your hope, watch what happens. I'm not saying you lose your salvation, but I'm just saying we need hope. In Jeremiah 29, 5, that's backed up a few verses before Jeremiah 29, 11 for all you math experts. <laughs> God tells them, look, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And he's telling us today, look, you're going to be down there on earth for a good while. In amongst the enemy. And they're going to be trying to teach you their ways and all this stuff. But this is what God says. He said, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. It's almost like what he told Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I send you into exile. And some Christians today, they're like, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm on hold. I'm in neutral. I ain't doing nothing else. I ain't voting. I ain't caring about the community. I'm not planting. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's all right to be wanting Jesus to come back. But it says right here, work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I send you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. We have a calling while we're here. We cannot sit in neutral. We cannot let our hope be zapped from us. 
We have to stir ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. We got to actively seek God in His face and His plan. We cannot for a minute let this world beat us down. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. People won't vote and won't pray for their leaders. Sit back and watch all this happen. That's what's wrong with America. The church lost its way. They stopped being an anchor of hope. They stopped being a lighthouse in this dark generation. And now the church is letting their light go out. And God says, no. You got to get your hope back. Well, what future and hope? When he said in Jeremiah 20, 29, 11 that I know the plans that I have for you, they're good plans to give you a hope and a future. What hope and a future do we ha did, did they have? When he was talking to them, what hope and future did they have? Well, as an Israelite, they were looking to the coming of the Messiah. The Jews, they, still, they didn't recognize Jesus, so they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. He's going to come and make it all right. Well, he came and made it all right, but they didn't even recognize it. But back then, that's what they were supposed to do. They were be fruitful and multiply, raise children, help the community where they were at, and be a blessing and a light in the midst of the darkness, and hold fort and take ground until, he, until the Messiah came. So what happened after the Messiah came? Jesus was here. What about those that were with him? They clung to Jesus. Even when Jesus, man, can you imagine listening to a sermon that Jesus gave? Jesus gave a sermon, but it was so hard that many of the people got up that had been following him said, I ain't following him no more. That's too hard. And what if I preach a hard message? You going to leave too? If I'm preaching the word of God? I'm telling you, people get mad at me all the time. All the time. But they clung to Jesus. They said, where, where are we going to go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. Nobody else ever spoke like you spoke. Never did the things that you do. Never loved like you. You are the Son of God. You are the Christ. They recognized it. And then he's crucified. And they see him die and they put him in a tomb. They don't know what to do. Can you imagine how their hope must have been dashed that day? Oh, I'm just quitting now. They could have quit. That's it, man. We thought he was the one. Two of them was walking away on the road to Emmaus. We thought he was the one, but did you hear what happened? But the rest of the disciples who had a personal relationship with him, they weren't so quick to give up when times got tough. Even when they didn't understand. And there'll be times where you don't understand what's happening. And you'll think, death has changed my circumstance. Darkness is 
has made everything seem gloomy, and I, I don't, I've lost my hope. But they stirred themselves up. They were hiding, but they were together. They locked the door. They didn't know where to go, what to do, but they stayed together. And then when Jesus appeared to them, can you imagine the hope that returned like that? On the third day, he appeared to his disciples. And you could, it's like, it was like they came back from the dead. Can you imagine what it would feel like that all your hopes had been dashed? You didn't understand any of this. How could he not be the one? He's dead, my friend, my Lord, and my God. God is dead. You're talking about a hopeless-looking situation. But the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't stop him. And on the third day, that resurrection power raised him. And he reappeared to his disciples, and all hope came back to life. And you know, you may go through a situation in your life, or many situations, where it appears that hope is dead. But what you need to do is you don't need to be so quick to give up. Watch what God will resurrect in your life. Well, after he was resurrected, he told him, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Stay together. See, together is important. We talked about that all last week. This together, the church is supposed to be together. We do this together. He said, stay together, go to Jerusalem, wait till you're being endued with power for on high. I'm just one man, he said. I, I, as a man here on the earth, I can only be at one place at one time. But I'm going to send my spirit. And he's going to live in your heart. And he's going to be with all of you at the same time. Don't leave home without him. And they went and they were in that upper room, 120 of them had sense enough to stay together. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 3,000 people came to salvation that day. And the new church, the new operation, the new thing that Jesus began to do on the earth began. The building of a people called the church. So for them, it was to cling to Jesus while he was here, but to be filled as he left and went back to the right hand of God the Father. But for us, it's to stay together and to be fruitful and to be filled with that Holy Spirit as we wait for the second coming of the Messiah. You see, he came, but he's coming back again. He's coming back again. Colossians 1.26 says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations has now been revealed to his saints. You know, there were things that were written in the New Testament that the Old Testament saints knew nothing about. They longed to look into but had no idea the plan of salvation that God has revealed to us, the Gentiles, in this hour in which we live. We have so much knowledge. 
To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is this wonderful information, this wonderful wisdom that should really rock the entire world, including yours, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That you can be filled with the presence of God. The Spirit of God will be in you. Christ in you is your hope of glory. It is the hope of your future. It is the, the down payment of what's to come. Jesus in me. Christ in you. That is the mystery that, this, that the saints of old longed to look into. And it's been revealed to us for this hour in which we live called the church age. Yes. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three are gathered together, gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is where Jesus is. Remember the title of this message? When we gather together in his name, there he is. In the midst of us. He can't, he's in you. <laughs> but when we gather together, he's in the midst of us. That's where Jesus is. He is here today. Do you not sense his presence? And I'm going to tell you, his presence will get stronger the more you desire it in your heart. And the more the presence of God comes on this church, well, there's going to be people that leave because they don't want the presence of God. They don't want the Spirit of God. They just want to do religious things. But if we, as a hungry people, desire the Spirit of God, He will come. And I'm asking you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, I am giving my life for this thing, and you are too. Let's believe God for His presence. The number one goal of Passion Church for 2022 is that we may have, well, how, how do I say it, that we may experience growth or whatever through the, the presence and the power and the people, the three Ps. That we may experience God's power, His presence, and His people in our services. And really, I've been praying about that for some time. Our prayer warriors have been praying that come on Tuesday nights. But what if the whole church began to believe God for more of his presence? Because where his presence is, there's the power to heal, to deliver, to set free for salvation. Some people say, I don't know, I, that kind of gets crazy when the Spirit of God shows up, or I don't really necessarily agree with how this, and I think church ought to be like this, and when I went to my grandmama's church for all those years, it was like this, and then this, and we've got all our preconceived notions. And some people are worried that because 
you know, Joe has a certain anointing on his life that I'm going to try to get up here and emulate Joe, or that what if we all begin to do that? What if, the, what if, what if God had his way? What if we didn't decide? What if we didn't have to interject our opinion and this we let God's church be God's church? I ain't trying to make nothing happen. I'm trying to let something happen. What if you relax? I'm serious. People wanting to fight about this. People leaving the church. Well, I don't believe church ought to be that way. I don't. This is Jesus' church. Let it be the way he wants it. I ain't trying to make it be something. You don't try to make it be something. But let's let it be what he wants it to be. You know, I am who I am. I preach like I preach. I do what I do. I ain't trying to be nobody else. I ain't trying to manipulate you to be what I want you to be. I say let God have his control of this place. That was all for free. I'm sorry I went there. <laughs> Jesus is the source and the wellspring of all hope. You see, he's what we need. Our love for him is what helps us endure the struggles. He is the source. And if, if it weren't for Jesus, where would you be? You would have no hope for the future. You wouldn't be redeemed. You wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't be forgiven. You wouldn't have been brought out of drugs and alcohol and all the other addictions. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be this nice, sweet, beautiful little person with the halo on right now. Man, I ain't where I want to be, but I sure ain't where I used to be. And it's all because of Jesus. And if I didn't have him, I would have no hope. I would be like those with no hope in the world because they don't have any hope. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with life, light. In other words, illumination and understanding. So that you can understand the confident hope. That's what God's trying to do through this series. Help you understand that you need confident hope. Not the world's hope, so, but a confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, which are his rich and glorious inheritance. This is where Jesus is. And until his return, the church is where you find hope in this present age. There's nowhere else for the world to turn. And that's why I say we must be a hospital of hope. We must be a name synonymous with love and hope. We must be. I've been in churches where they say, well, we don't allow that kind of people in our church. If they can't come here, where can they go? then we wouldn't have allowed you when you first come to church either. Amen. So why should people be drawn to the Passion Church? 
for the same reasons they were drawn to Jesus. And why were they drawn to Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. I wrote down some things. He cared. And that's unusual in today's society that anybody cares about somebody else, isn't it? He forgave. Boy, that's even more unusual. Some of us are holding on to things that a cashier did to us six years ago. He showed people God's real nature. And that's what people want to see. They want to see the real thing. His love and his joy were contagious. He met their physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. He talked to people and met them where they're at. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't just talk a bunch of scripture over their head when they, they didn't even know what he was talking. He didn't feed them meat when they weren't even ready for the bottle yet. He set them free from dry religion and condemnation. Are y'all tired? Do you want me to quit? He spoke the truth in a way that they could understand. Jesus forgave their past and he had an answer for their future and nobody else does. They said, who are you to forgive sins? He said, the son of man has power to forgive sins on the earth. Because it's against him that we sin, you understand. He is God. Jesus helped, he healed, he gave hope. And these are the same reasons that somebody ought to want to come to the, our Passion Church. Because Jesus is here. Because Jesus is here in you. And because this is the way we behave ourselves in God's holy church how we display his heart hebrews 3 6 says but christ as the son is in charge of god's entire house i told you that and we are god's house if say if that might be a big if we are god's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in christ you see, you're saved because of your faith. Because you have a hope of a resurrection. Of the resurrection and of your resurrection. <laughs> Remain confident in our hope. The church should be a hope factory. We should be churning out hope all the time. When you see a brother or sister down, don't just watch them Descend, pick them up, give them hope. I've got some personal stories I could tell, but maybe I shouldn't. Jesus was God in the flesh. Do y'all agree? The scriptures tell us plainly. He tells us plainly in the red letters. Jesus was God in the flesh. And the church should be Jesus in the flesh. Christ in you. He's in your flesh. You should be Jesus in the flesh. 
Bible.org is a website. They wrote this. It says, why is the church important? Because God has left it here to reveal his son to the world. Even as Jesus revealed God when he was on this earth. As the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth, we are the current expression of Jesus Christ in the world until he comes. What a staggering job description, he says. Nothing could be of greater importance. He said, maybe you've been turned off by a bad experience in a church that was institutional, you know, just rules and regulations, where God dwelled only in name but not in reality. You need to grasp a new vision of what God intends for his church. Locally expressed and commit yourself to this church. We need to make it happen right here so that people will say, I have seen the living God dwelling among his people. That's what the world needs to see. The church should be the most powerful portrayer of hope in the world together. That's us, you and I, revealing Christ to the world. That is our job description. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. See, there's a way we ought to conduct ourselves. He said, which is the church of the living God. And our church should be alive. It shouldn't have stale bread and old tradition. It should be alive and on the cusp of what Jesus is doing in the earth today. We should be alive and we should fight for life in this church. Yes. And it's the pillar and ground of the truth. We got to remain with what we know. And we will. Because there's nothing more beautiful than the truth of God's word. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. That's a hard part. <laughs> I mean, because come on, have you seen yourself in the mirror lately? Your nasty old thing, attitude. I mean, come on now. When you're working along somebody, you're fighting a war together, they get on your nerves, you're in the trench, the foxhole together. We let our nasty old self out of the the tomb that should have been, we should have left it in. We don't get along, and we don't forgive, and we hold on to grudges. There's people in here right now that's gone through some stuff, and you ain't made it right with each other. That's a shame. Ain't that a shame? In the house of God. And you're expecting your prayers going to get answered. I'm preaching right now, ain't I? Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. I don't mean we got to all believe alike. I don't mean we all got to think just alike. But there are things that we hold on to together. And we stay together. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and there's one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious what? Hope for the future. That's what you're called to. A glorious hope. I think you guys are getting tired. Can I get the ministry team to come up? And I'll close. Anybody from the ministry team here? Just come on across the front here. These, we're trying to have prayer warriors available to you sometimes at the end of the service if 
if it goes that direction. As we close, let me say this. David wanted to build God a house. Y'all remember the story? King David, he wanted so bad. And God says, what house can you build for me? The earth is my footstool, you know? <laughs> but David was, God, I want to build you a house. And God said, okay, David, we'll build a house, but I'm going to get your son to do it, Solomon. But you know what David did? He stored up everything that was going to be needed for building the house. All the wood and all the gold and all. He put all his personal treasury into it. He invested everything. He put the plans together. He had it all done before he died. And all he had to do was hand it to Solomon. Say, here Solomon, just say the word and this will come down just like it. With no, without a hitch. If you'll just be obedient. And they built a beautiful temple. Solomon's temple pleasing to God and then along comes a son of David another son of David he was called the son of David it was Jesus and he wants to build the father a spiritual house he wants to build the father something special Just like David had to go, Jesus had to go. But just like David prepared everything for his son to build the house, Jesus has prepared everything for his sons and his daughters to build the house. And everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is available to us. Woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. Woe to us if we don't unite and have peace in the house of God, if we don't let life flow in this place. And if we don't be the people of God and the house of God, it's where Jesus is. It's a place that Jesus causes his name to dwell. Shekinah glory to shine. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.